The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. up everybody welcome to stacking the box college football edition i'm your host Reedwalk, joined today by my esteemed colleague cody williams we are here to talk some college football some week one hand out some bets talk about some season-long predictions we got a bunch in store for you we're gonna do much better than we did in week zero <laughs> it's gonna go better than that i promise if you saw the week zero show erase that from your mind it's gonna be much better we got a loaded show for you cody How's it doing, man? Little appetizer, week zero. Now we're on to week one. How was your week zero viewing experience of that little seven-game slate? Week zero, week zero viewing experience was great. I mean, it, it, was, it felt so much like week zero with all of the um, mistakes and coaching misfires, I would say, throughout the week, which uh, didn't help a lot of our bets. Uh, like you said, we got to erase that from our mind. We aren't going to be picking every game. Like, week zero is a tough task when you're betting every game, but – I'm feeling rejuvenated for week one, uh, having the full board to go from. Let's get after it. Yeah, 100%. I would say you hit the nail on the head. The week zero experience was uh, a little silly, a little stupid. Uh, definitely some uh, mind-boggling decisions out there. But I, listen, that's I, I finished the slate up and like I, I said to myself, I was like, it's good to be back. Like my blood was uh, pumping. My heart was racing. I had a headache at one point. Uh, I was sitting down. I was standing up. I had a little bit of everything. And that's what you get in a full Saturday viewing experience. So to get that with just a seven game slate, I'll take it. I yeah, you know, it, little, it was a loss, but, you know, it, it's good to get those, you know, get into, you know, running a shape here. Definitely. And I mean, speaking of games that we both lost on, uh, also my week zero takeaway is give me a Zachariah Smith ISO cam for every single <laughs> USC game, because that's the only guy I want to watch the rest of the college football season. Yeah, of course. USC stud freshman uh, recruit uh, wide receiver. Absolute blazing fast. Took back a kick. Uh, I think he had, what was it, like four catches, like 50 yards and a touchdown on on top of that. So Caleb Williams has a new toy. Uh in SoCal this season. So how the show is going to go down today is we're not going to pick every game on the slate. We don't have enough time to do that. Uh, But we are going to hand out a bunch of bets. And we're also going to talk about which AP top 10 team is set to flop come 2023, which team is maybe being a little overrated heading into the season. And we see falling out becoming unranked that has happened uh, in nearly every year dating back, you know, recent memory. So I have a number for that. We're going to talk about that. But first, 
Let me tell you about our partner, Caesar Sportsbook here. They're kicking off the football season with a new bet 50, get $250 in bonus bets, limited time offer. New users can sign up with our code FSBETS10GET and redeem $250 in bonus bets after placing your first wager of $50 on any football game. Even if your first bet loses, you will receive one $50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. Make sure to enter our code FSBETS10GET while signing up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the football season. Again, that's code FSBETS10GET. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer right down there, right right below us right now. Um, again, that's code FSBETS10GET and you get $250 in bonus bets over the beginning of the football season. All right. Let's do some week one preseason predictions here. So we were talking in the pre-show meeting, Cody, about which teams are going to flop, You know how we want to go about this. So I have the list of the AP Pulse top 10 teams in front of me. I'll list them off really quick. We got in order, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, and Washington. So here's this stat from The Athletic. An average of 1.7 preseason top 10 teams have finished unranked since the AP poll expanded to 25 teams. Last year, Texas A&M, who started number six, Oklahoma, who started number nine, and Baylor, who started number 10, met that fate. The fourth time in the past five years that three teams went from the preseason top 10 to unranked. For what's worth, no teams did it in 2019. In fact, uh, the Aggies, Sooners, and Bears all finished with a losing record. The first time since 1957 that three preseason top 10 teams ended up below 500. Again, that's from The Athletic. So this basically says that the AP poll is not indicative of anything uh, heading into the season and that the pollers are typically very wrong. So I go back to this top 10, Cody, and I'm going to stop speaking here and I'm going to give you the runway. Which team do you think, if you had to pick one, is going to be unranked come the end of the season? Yeah, so I don't think any any of these top ten are gonna go with or not make a bowl game this year. Like I'm not seeing that, but I think you have to look as we just mentioned. Like I love you know Zechariah, but uh, USC is probably the easiest candidate to pick from these. Um, and it's not just the defense. Like we saw the, some of the same defensive problems that we saw last year against San Jose State, particularly early in the game. They you know they were arm tackling and San Jose San Jose State was running through it, and they were allowing big chunk plays, explosive plays. Um, and that worries me a little bit, but I did think it shored up. But I look at this USC schedule, and their final six games are just absolutely freaking brutal. They start uh, at Notre Dame, then they're against Utah at home, at Cal, which should be a win. But then they go, then they play uh, at home against Washington, in Eugene against Oregon, and then finish with the rivalry game against UCLA. That's one of the toughest finishing stretches for any team in the country, much less a top 10 team right now. And if these defensive problems, if Alex Grinch really is the issue with this program and this defense and he's going to hold Lincoln Riley back, that six-game stretch, you could easily lose four or five of those games if your defense is that bad. And it's something that the team didn't have to really contend with in terms of that tough of a schedule last year. And so I think that there's a real chance that we see USC just free fall in the, in the final stretch of the season. All excellent points. Um, I completely agree. I could see USC falling out. You mentioned the schedule at the back half. For their defense still sucks. Let's like call a spade a spade. Their defense is still terrible. That's why there's no, they're not making the college football playoff. No, mm-hmm. no chance. Not with that defense, not with that schedule. 
And to me, when you're rebuilding your roster through the transfer portal, the depth is like a real question mark, right? Like I'm not saying Caleb Williams is going to get hurt, but even like on the offensive line, on the defensive line and the secondary, if there's some injuries that come up as the season wears on again, they have their buy in week three, really long closing stretch there. They don't have the depth that like some of these more established programs that have had longstanding coaches have their guys in the system. So I could see USC, maybe the war of attrition with that noted difficult schedule, maybe playing a role as the season wears on. I don't know if they're going to go unranked though. It's tough. It's always tough to like tell yourself before the season, like, all right, yeah, USC unranked, but you know, we're doing it for the sake of uh, the exercise. I'll go, I'll go Florida state. Uh, I'll say Florida state ends the season unranked. And uh, again, I'm maybe I'm shooting a little bit uh, further than I want with this, like Florida state, you know, hot take, but I look back at what Florida state did to end the season last year. And if you go back and you look at their schedule, who did Florida state really beat down the stretch of the season to really give them like this type of excitement heading into the year? I know they returned Jordan Travis and they got Keon Coleman in the transfer portal and they have Jared verse on the defensive line, but let me just tell you what happened. So they started four and all last year. They beat LSU obviously in the crazy game in week one, but starting October 1st, they lost to Wake Forest at home. They lost at NC state. They lost to Clemson. So they're four and three there. And then they win their final six games. Let me just tell you who they beat. They beat Georgia Tech, who didn't make a bowl. They beat Miami, who didn't make a bowl. They beat Syracuse, who made a bowl and was the only team they beat with more than six wins. But that team was a corpse already by the end of the season. They started, I think Syracuse started like 6-0 and then fell apart down the stretch. So they beat Syracuse. They beat Louisiana. They beat Florida, who we know had their issues last season. They only won by seven. Crazy game. And then they beat Oklahoma, who fell way short of expectation in the bowl game. Again, another 35-32 barn burner in their bowl game. So I think Florida State being a little overrated heading into the season, I think they're going to lose in the opener against LSU. We're going to talk about that game. I don't have a, I'm not betting LSU, but we will talk about it. I think they're going to lose. Um, <laughs> I disagree strongly, but we'll get there. <laughs> we're going to get there. But And then just looking at their schedule, they play at Clemson. They play at Pittsburgh. They play Miami, who might be a little bit better. They play at Florida in a rivalry game. That's never an easy out. Maybe a few games when they're playing teams that are playing a little bit above their level than last year go against them. And maybe Florida State loses four games and they fall out of the top 25. They lose five games. Maybe they, maybe they let go of the rope because the expectation is so high this year that if they maybe get their bubble burst a little early with a loss to LSU and Clemson, maybe the wheels fall off in Tallahassee. Cody. What do you think? I, it seems like we're going to be opposite here. Yeah, I mean, in the in the preseason show, I took the Florida State over win to, over nine and a half wins. So I'm obviously against this. Um, I understand the teams that they beat down the stretch last year were not anything to speak of, anything impressive. But at the same time, you know, the always reliable eye test told me that this team became much more cohesive. And I also like one thing that has been sticking out and there are times where I get ahead of myself with the narrative, but guys like Jared verse coming back, like Jared verse was going to be a first round pick if he went to the NFL draft, but he came back for that unfinished business. And so I don't think we're going to see that type of regression. I think we're actually going to see progression because not only do we have so much returning talent and so many returning starters, we also have um, those guys who returned are motivated and then they hit the transfer portal hard and improve the depth and improve the talent. Like this isn't like we talked about with USC where, you know, the transfer, when you're building through the portal, the depth becomes a concern. 
Florida State built their depth through the portal. And so, like, I think that that's a situation where they're just going to be a much more talented team. And like you said, we'll get to LSU, Florida State, but uh, I, I can't join you on that one. All right. I respect. Listen, I, I've looked at, like, these teams, and I happen to like all of them. I, I think you can make a case, like, maybe Washington, tough Pac-12, maybe they fall off. Like, just, like, looking can, at the – like, I could see Washington maybe, like, great year last year. Maybe they fall off. Defense still sucks, and, like, the offensive line takes a step back. If you want a real hot take, I I I put Ohio State down with a question mark. Okay. Um, I I'm still like we mentioned last week. I'm concerned about the quarterback play. I think that we might see a drop off from CJ Stroud even in the Ryan Day offense. Uh, more importantly, I'm concerned about the offensive line. Um, I think that they're going to have a really hard time replacing CJ Stroud with an offensive line that has question marks. No matter if mm. it's Devin Brown or Kyle McCord who t- ends up taking the job, but they also have a little bit of a sneaky tough schedule that I think is kind of being undervalued. Like Notre Dame, I mean, I understand it was against Navy, but they looked better under with Sam Hartman at the helm than I fully expected. No, I'm not doing the like, oh, Notre Dame's back thing just based on them beating Navy. I'm not I saying still, they're back. I'm still, I'm still not in on Notre Dame. I'm not all the way in, but that game's in South Bend. And I yep. know Sam, and Sam Hartman proved to me in that offense that he's not just a slow mesh guy. You know, like he showed a little bit more juice than I expected right away, not playing in the Dave Clawson offense. But then on top of that, they play Penn State, who I think you and I both agree have a real chance to knock off. Like we, I think they're just playing out better than Ohio State, but they have, and that game's in Columbus. But then they also have to play at Wisconsin the week after that. And Wisconsin's the real wild card here, in my opinion, because we don't know what this Phil Longo offense is going to look like. You know, so like if that offense takes a step forward with all the talent like Braylon Allen that they have with Tanner Mordecai, if they become a much more balanced offense that isn't just ground and pound, Wisconsin could be dangerous. And that game being in Madison is key. And then also the Michigan games Ann Arbor. So that's four potential losses. And with the weakness of the rest of the uh, Big Ten schedule, I think that's enough that Ohio State could come out unranked if they were to have like a worst case scenario and go 0-4 in those games. We shall see. We I, I don't know if I'd get there. I don't know. I, mean, I I like our we have like the ones we're taking, and then we also have like our backups. I have Washington, you have Ohio State as like our little yeah. backup ones. We'll come back in January. We'll see. We'll see which one's right. It'll probably be one of the other six just because that's how it works. Um, oh yeah, this is old taste exposed <laughs> waiting to happen. <laughs> let's do let, let's go short term here. Let's talk some best bets because we gotta get back on track here. Week zero, we picked every game. We each went two and five. So we have our work cut out for us. We're, we, we're spotting them a few. We're spotting the books a few uh, wins here. Two and five. Let's see if we get back on track. So we have six bets we're going to give out. We're going to do one of the early week games. We're going to talk about a ranked team. We're going to talk about an upset alert. We're going to do one of the later week ones because obviously the unique schedule on Labor Day weekend. There are a handful of games on Sunday and Monday. And then we're going to talk big game of the week, LSU Florida State, followed by, of course, our sickos pick. We, we got two sickos on. Of course, we got to do a little, we got to get all down and dirty. So let's start Thursday, Friday. Cody, where are you looking here? We got about like seven, eight games spread out between Thursday and Friday. A few more key ones that, um, you know, we're going to talk about for sure. But how are you, where are you looking early in the week here? Get off to a hot start. Uh, so I'm actually looking at one of the marquee matchups um, tomorrow night. Uh, Florida at Utah. I'm going under 44 and a half. This was at 45 last night. The line's going down because, it's looking like Cam Rising isn't going to play. Like, 
the the spread opened at Utah minus 10 a few weeks ago, and it's down to four and a half, four, you'll see in some places. At one point last night, it was at three and a half. So uh, I'm pretty sure Cam Rising is not suiting up He's for not the in this one. Yeah. So, but when it comes down to it, like you take away Cam Rising for this offense, and you think about the game last year that Florida actually won. Um, Cam Rising was the heartbeat of what this Utah offense was doing. And that's really the key, been the key for Utah the past couple of years on, on the offensive side of the ball is Cam Rising's dual threat ability, his ability to, you know, create plays with his legs, but also makes roughly majoritively smart decisions with his uh, with passing game. Mm-hmm. And now you take that downgrade at quarterback and behind an offensive line that's replacing Braden Daniels, I think it's going to be fine. But I do think that you might see a little bit of a drop-off there. And they're also replacing Tavion Thomas. Again, I think it's going to be fine, but I think it could be a drop-off there. And then you look at this Florida team against the Kyle Whittingham defense. And let me tell you, I don't trust Graham Mertz. I don't trust Graham Mertz to do anything. He hasn't done anything since his week one game against – Where am I? Where am I? I Where's the helmet? You see that? I see it. <laughs> and yeah, you know Graham Mertz very well. Other than week one of the 2020 COVID-shortened season when he lit up Illinois, he's been awful. And I don't think he's the savior for this Florida offense. I think there's a lot of turnover. I think the offensive line gives me a little bit of pause. There's talent, but it's unproven talent. And I think against this Utah defense, I think we're in for a rock fight. I think this is going to be actually a really boring game, and I could see a yeah. total ending up in the 30s. Yeah, I think Utah's MO is going to be – Let's trust our defense. Let's try and run this out. Let's shorten the game to maybe try and get Graham Mertz to make a few mistakes. It is, first of all, I saw, I think it's going to be really hot in Utah, like dry heat, Florida. How about this stat? First road non-conference game since 1991. Literally my entire life. What? I was born in 1991. Literally my entire life. What? That's crazy. And now, I mean, talk about making it hard for yourself. They're going to arguably one of the toughest places to play at altitude, Rice Eccles Stadium, home of Utah is a different beast. Um, I think Utah's MO, like you said, they're going to want to grind this out. They know that um, to me, Bryson Barnes, who led Utah to a win in a spot start last year when Cam Rising was hurt. So he has a little bit of experience. I don't know if they're going to air it out and they're going to, you know, this is going to be a good Florida defense, SEC defense at that, even if they're Middling to below average SEC standards, that's still, still probably like top oh, yeah. third in the entire country. So I think this is going to be a rock fight. I don't trust Mertz either. If I, you know, under definitely is how I see it. Um, definitely get on it now because it is going down. So if you, it if is you want to, if you like the under, go, yeah, definitely get on it's it as soon as possible. Yeah. This probably closes like right around like probably Utah four and the total probably just, you can't find a bottom in my opinion. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I like the under look as well. Mine, definitely not one of the marquee matchups on the Thursday, Friday slate, but uh, I'm going to lay the points of NC state uh, minus 14 against UConn. I, I think, I, I think a lot of people are buying into UConn being back. They make a bowl last year under Jim Moore. It's great. I, they deserve a lot of credit for what they did that they're now a competent team. They're like top 15 in returning production NC State, few new faces. I've spoken highly about Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback, and Robert Anai, their offensive coordinator that built a top 10 offense just two years ago at Virginia, those two together. So now they're back together in Raleigh, and I think they're going to absolutely – I one, I think they're really good, and I think they're going to absolutely lay a smackdown on UConn. Let me tell you, when UConn – because UConn's an independent, so they schedule all their games. They're all out of conference. So they don't play that many Power 5 teams. Let me tell you what happened last year when they played Power 5 teams. They played three. They played Syracuse in week three. They lost 48-14 to at home, mind you. 
They went to Michigan the following week. They lost 59 to nothing. And then they played NC State. Oh, that's convenient. They played NC State last year on the road. They lost 41 to 10. <laughs> they got absolutely smoked. So when, this is a team that did really well punching against the like similar weight classes, a team mm-hmm. that like these independents, these lower level schools, they could beat those. They could handle those now, which is a, a big step up for a UConn program. But when they played some of the heavy hitters, the really good power five teams, they got absolutely smoked. Looking at this NC State game, NC State outgained them 492 to 160. It's not like they forced any turnovers either. Uh, UConn didn't force any turnovers. NC State controlled the ball 35 minutes versus 24 minutes. Uh, and, and NC State threw all over them. Devin Leary, 33 of 46, average seven yards a pass. UConn only attempted 15 passes, went two of 12 on third down. Only got eight first downs in the entire game. I mean, they got absolutely destroyed. So I, I know there's a new quarterback. I think the offensive scheme gets a big jump. Armstrong's familiar with it. I just think, where are you, what, just because UConn has some familiarity, all of a sudden this team could keep it competitive against a team that absolutely destroyed them last year. I think this is an early Thursday gift here. I'll, I'll take NC State to win big. I couldn't agree with you more. And, I mean, one thing you forgot to mention, uh, that's big Syracuse win. Who was offensive coordinator for Syracuse last year? Is it, wait, I, I honestly didn't even think about this. It was Robert, Robert and I. I. It was Robert I and I. Think about that. And so now he's working with a quarterback who he had a top 10 offense with, which mm-hmm. Brandon Armstrong is an upgrade over anyone that Syracuse has had in a very long time. Yes. <laughs> and just more talent. And on top of that, NC State's defense is one of the best units in the ACC. So you factor all in. Like, I, I – saw this line and I was like, there's no way that that's correct. And I I looked to see if I was missing something. I ended up going with the Utah Florida under, but I, I love this. I mean, I'm all over it. it. Like you said, it's a free, it's, it's free. Yeah. I, I'm feeling good about this one and a good hat tip to you, man. I didn't even put together the Robert and I, I started saying it and I didn't even put together that Syracuse smoked them uh, last year, the night at the helm. I just think this UConn team, again, it's a program going in the right direction, but this is way like you, you can't expect much here going again no. like up against an NC State team. So uh, there we go. There's a little early, both on Thursday, both tomorrow night. So hopefully we get off to a good start there. Let's talk some ranked teams, though. Let's move to Saturday's slate. Talk about some ranked teams. Cody, you're talking about Tennessee, Virginia. Big favorite here with the Vols transition quarterbacks, of course. I'm sure you're going to bring that up. How are you eyeing this Tennessee-Virginia game with the Vols laying about four touchdowns? So – I will be the first to admit that I don't trust Joe Milton. Uh, I watched him in Michigan. Dude has all the arm talent in the world, but uh, he couldn't hit me if I was standing 10 feet in front of him, I feel like. So, like, that's a worry to me. But I think the Hypo offense is pretty much foolproof, even if he is a downgrade from Hinton Hooker in terms of accuracy. But I think they're just going to come out and jump Virginia. So I'm going first half spread, minus 14 and a half for Tennessee. Um, one stat I found Virginia last year was outscored 82 to 48 in the first quarter. And <laughs> now, and now they, uh, they also lost their best cornerback, Fitzgerald Cypress too, as fate would have it, Florida state in the portal this off season. <laughs> and, um, so now you're going up against a pass happy offense that is going to run, 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 like just keep going and throw the ball all over you all night long. And you have a history under Tony Elliott and this staff of getting jumped on early in games. And then on top of that, I also found this. Virginia only won the turnover margin in two games last year. 
that's tough. And if you turn the ball, if you don't win the turnover battle against Tennessee, against this offense with the pace they run, you're in trouble. And so if there's any kind of turnover earlier, getting up by three scores is not hard to see for this Tennessee offense. Even if I'm lower on Joe Milton in the in Tennessee's prospects in comparison to last year, I think Virginia might be one of the worst teams in the Power Five this year. And I think Tennessee is going to really show that early. You, you, I think also helping your cause is the pace that Tennessee runs with, right? Like, especially the first half one, we we saw the clock move in, uh, the new clock rules move in in the, fir- in the first week of games, those seven games on week zero. Now, but Tennessee's not going to be affected by that. They were one of the fastest mm-hmm. teams in the country last year, top five in plays per minute. So they're going to still move no matter what. Yeah, you know, like you're going to have the requisite possessions to get this number home only in the first half. So um, I agree with you. I think... Um, I did a write-up over on BetSide about this game, talking about the full game side with Tennessee. I think another angle you can talk about is just like the the pace at which Tennessee runs with. And Tennessee's defense is a little suspect, but they have such a size advantage here. And you talk mm-hmm. about the first quarter out getting outscored. I also could see Virginia, their defense getting tired because Tennessee's on the field so often. They're playing so fast, and they're running up and down the field, and their defensive line is getting after it. Uh, they're starting Mammoth transfer Tony Musket. This guy is going to regret that he came to Virginia after uh, week one. So I think, Yeah, not a lot of confidence yeah. in a quarterback who threw 51 touchdowns in three seasons at Monmouth. Like, yeah. total touchdowns. Not He didn't do it per season. That was yeah. total. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think this is I, – I think, I think you're looking the right way here with Tennessee in a romp. My look, I'm, I'm betting on another, similar to you, high-powered offense. Washington-Boise State, I'm going to take the Washington team total over 37.5. And, and I know Boise State, a lot of uh, praise coming from them once the Mountain West Championship last year. They are the favorites in the Mountain West. I'm not really buying it that much this year. This is a team that's been based around their defensive principles under Andy Avalos. But they lose four of their top five guys in the secondary this year, and this is not – the week one start you want transitioning in a lot of new faces in the secondary. Uh, so Washington offense, Michael Penix was number two in the entire country in passing yards at over 4,700 yards. Um, he was only behind Austin Reed of Western Kentucky. This is an offense. I mean, number one in EPA per game through the air, number four in success rate. I mean, absolutely lights out and they return 2000 yard receivers and McMillan and Adunze. Um, so I think Washington's going to get theirs. They went over this number in eight of 13 games last year. And I think Boise State transitioning in a lot of new face in the secondary is going to get gashed. And the reason why I, I like the team total over rather than the game over or Washington taking the points, I was kind of fiddling around with everything. My biggest concern in this game is Washington's defense. That was 97th in success rate, 116th in EPA per play. Maybe they can't hold off Boise State's offense, and I, maybe I'm not as happy taking Washington win by two touchdowns, win by margin. I actually think Boise State might be able to score in this game, and it's going to keep Washington's offense on the field. Like Penix and Co are going to have to keep playing and have to keep scoring touchdowns. You know, if I thought Washington was really going to squash Boise State, I would say, all right, lay the points because maybe Washington, when they hit like 35, it's 35 to 10. And in the fourth quarter, the game kind of dies and they get panics out of there because the game's over. No, I think Washington is going to have an incentive to keep pushing and keep pushing this game out of range. So that's why my idea in this one is to take the Washington team total over. 
I mean, I'm 100% with you. I actually looked really hard as the over for my ranked team uh, pick, the full game over, because of exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. I think that if Boise State is going to have a chance, they're going to have to find explosive plays in this game, which I think you can do against this Washington defense. And I think that's going to mean Penix and all the starters for Washington are staying out there. And I don't see Boise State having a whole lot of answers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. Also worth noting that, uh, they went over this total in every non-conference game last year. Um, so I, I really like the pick. I I think that DeBoer, Penix, uh, Penix and all these people are going to really, really light up the scoreboard this year and start yeah, and just, week one. Yeah, and just like another note, Boise State opened on the road last year. That's a Pac-12 foe in Oregon State. Oregon State had a great year. More of a ground-based team, though, play much slower, less explosive through the air. Ended up 34 in that game. To Oregon State, I know there were a few turnovers in that game and stuff, but it just shows that Boise State, even last year when they put up big defensive numbers, I mean, I could pull them from last year, but defensively last year, top 10 in EPA per play and success rate. I mean, this was like a lights out unit. They still let up 34 to Oregon State. So they've been susceptible on the road against a power five team, maybe not as equipped to handle that versus like their G5 brethren. So um, to me, I think team total over is like the safest way I'm going to play it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So we just talked about two ranked teams that we think are kind of going to lay uh, a smackdown on their lesser opponent. Let's talk some upsets, though. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to – you go first because then I'm going to talk, but you go. What, where, what's, a, what's a live dog you see on the board in week one? I can't look away from South Alabama – uh, upsetting Tulane. They're uh, plus yeah. six and a half yeah. and uh, plus 205 <laughs> money line. Um, look. I love Tulane. I like my, I think Michael Pratt is the best G5 quarterback in the country. I think he is that talented. But I think people are underrating how valuable Tajay Spears was to this offense. I understand they're going to be able to replace him with uh, Shoddy Clayton Johnson and uh, Shedra Louis from uh, Liberty, both two talented running backs. They're not Tajay Spears. Tajay nope. Spears like could literally play a role for the Titans as a rookie. He is he was a dynamic playmaker who made plays in both the run and passing games. And frankly, made life a lot easier for Michael Pratt. And but the biggest key in this one is South Alabama, who is returning basically the majority of their offensive production from a team that on a you know on a per play EPA per play basis was not far off from Tulane and won 10 games last season. And so when you have these two teams who weren't that far apart from last year. And I see more regression coming from Tulane than I do South Alabama. Actually, I could see South Alabama even being better. He returning two 800 yard receivers, their leading rusher, their leading passer. 
I think six and a half points at minimum is way too many points for this team. And I think they're a live dog for Pratt trying to start life without Tajay Spears as his blankie in the backfield. When uh, I went to go put in like my stuff for uh, the bets, I was pissed that you beat me to it because this was going to be my pick uh, for the underdog <laughs> play. So full agreement here on South Bama going out and I think getting a win against Tulane. These teams are far, far closer than this line would indicate. All for the points you noted. This is South Alabama team, top 10 in returning production. And I think you could argue this was the best team in the Sun Belt. I know Troy won it. Troy had one of the best defense in the country, South Alabama, far more balanced than Troy. This was Troy won 10-7, I believe it was, in South Alabama in a game that determined the division. Uh, Those were the two best teams. Troy dismantled Coastal in the Sun Belt Championship game. So give me South Bama for all the points you noted. You also want to mention, uh, I think this could go both ways. Tulane's defensive coordinator uh, took the Miami job late mm-hmm. in the cycle, and Tulane went out and hired Troy's defensive coordinator, which he was uh, obviously architect of this elite defense that shut down South Alabama last year. But that being said, didn't have a full offseason of prep. These are not his guys. He's stepping in late. So I actually think it's going to harm in this case for week one especially. I mean, Ty J. Spears uh, ran for over 1,500 yards, 19 rushing touchdowns. I think this is going to hurt for sure. So – I, I agree. I think South Alabama right now, these two teams are probably closer to equal than a touchdown difference. So I think for sure. And um, I think Tulane needs a bit of a market correction heading into the season. I mean, one total of like nine and a half. It was a great year last year, but it's this is a new year, new team, new players. Um, yeah. I have to wonder what this line would be if there wasn't a 24 next to Tulane's name, honestly. Exactly. Like, I think or like that, if they didn't I think- win the Cotton Bowl last year. Exactly. Like if they didn't like come back against USC and there wasn't a 24 in the preseason top 25 next to their name, like these teams based on power ratings are maybe a point different. And like, this is like a sick game too. This is like a high, this is like a dope, like group of five week one matchup. Like this deserves eyeballs in the primetime slate um, on Saturday. So I think this is gonna be a sick game. And don't, don't think though that week two Ole Miss coming to town, I believe it's week Mm -hmm. two. Uh, Ole Miss coming to town against Tulane. Oh boy, would I love for South Be- South Alabama to get a win here, and then we come back and take Tulane the following week against oh, yeah. Ole Miss. Just something to think about. Just keep that in the back of your head, because <laughs> uh, I think Tulane they need a bit of a a market correction, a come back down to earth. Let's like let's be rational about where Tulane stands, and hopefully mm-hmm. South Alabama wins, and then we come right back and play Tulane at a big number against Ole Miss on the road. Uh, Give me that number, dream. please. That's the dream. <laughs> Uh, mine, maybe not as high level of a game, uh, but I'm going to take Northwestern. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I'm going to take Northwestern on Sunday afternoon against Rutgers, uh, about pl- similar line plus six and a half, I believe like plus plus one ninety five. If you look around for this one, maybe you could get over plus 200, but give me the Wildcats to go in and beat Rutgers. And I think this number is shaped by what happened with Pat Fitzgerald and the hazing scandal and that, you know, how can you go near Northwestern at this point? And I don't want to talk about anything that happened there. Um, not necessary. It's not relevant. They promoted uh, their defensive coordinator. They hired from the FCS ranks, David Braun. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much of the coach speak and, you know, all the reports and stuff, but he says that, listen, we're galvanized. We are rallied around each other. We are just focused on playing Rutgers. We're not really talking about the outside noise. We're just ready to play. Uh, sure. That's not music to my ears, but you look at these two teams, 
They are they are mere equals. They both are terrible. They they both are awful. And the totals in the 30s. So you're telling me there's not gonna be that many points scored. Why can't Northwestern punch in a few versus Rutgers? You okay, seriously, I'm gonna pull up these numbers from last year. You're gonna be like, why is one team favored by nearly a touchdown? Mm-hmm. Last year, EPA per play. Rutgers ranked 126. They're only 131 teams. So they they were terrible. Northwestern was 127. Also bad, but very, very marginal difference here. <laughs> All right, next, defense. North, Northwestern ranked 64th in EPA per play. Rutgers ranked 69th. Again, about national average, Northwestern slightly ahead of Rutgers. So why are we just assuming that Rutgers is that much better? This line opened at four and a half. What, what changed that there's a two-point line move? The coach got fired? That happened a month and a half ago, two months ago. It's over with. That's old news. The guys are practicing again. It's it's over with. So I think Northwestern's live in this game. I will note that I also think Northwestern, they haven't announced their starting quarterback yet. My fingers are crossed. It's going to be Ben Bryant. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll rotate or anything, but I'm hoping it's Ben Bryant, the Cincinnati transfer. In my opinion, he's the best quarterback between the two teams. I know Northwestern mm-hmm. loses a lot. They lost a pro first round pick on the offensive line, but I mean, Ben Bryant to me is the number one option of any team better than Gavin Wimsat, the Rutgers quarterback. I mean, looking at Bryant's numbers last year, he got hurt at the end of the year, so he missed the end, but complete 61% of his passes for 2,700 yards, 21 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio, average depth of target was 10 yards uh, per attempt. So I'm not saying that he's going to carve it up or anything, but if like both teams suck, I'd rather take the better quarterback. And, and you're giving me plus 200. I, I just I think you got to take a shot with Northwestern. Like I, I think you have to. I like the shot. Uh, the only note I wrote down for your pick on this game was you're a sick, sick man for betting on this game. But I do think that your your thought process is very sound in this. When you have a total in the, like below the below forty, there's so much variance in what can happen in that game just because one t- literally one touchdown can make the entire difference in the game. And there's so much variance in college football. You're talking 18 to 22 year olds, like anything can happen, especially low level 18 to 22 year olds at the power five level. So like there's so much variance in this. And I think getting this number for a game with that's projected like that, I think you're on the right side. Definitely. Yeah. I just think again, like you're talking one turnover one, Mm -hmm. you know, something like one, like botched punt. I, I, and you look at Wimsat, he, played a handful of games last year, and he was terrible. Mm-hmm. He, he had 145 passes last year, completed 44% of them, five to seven touchdown interception ratio. Um, I mean, I just like, where are we, where are we getting this number from with Rutgers? There's not like, I just told you the numbers from last year and I know Northwestern loses a lot, but I, to me, they got probably a better quarterback in the portal. So maybe he can make some noise. Hopefully he gets the start. I'm definitely taking kind of a roll of dice there, but with a number like this, I'll take the shot. So there's some underdog, uh, some underdog plays. I'm, I wonder what that, should we, I feel like out of respect for the show, we should do like a money line parlay of the two of them, right? Like just like out of like respect. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to punch that in while you tell me um, about the later week slate, Sunday and Monday, where are you looking um, as I cook up this underdog money line parlay and I tell us what odds we're getting. Oh, I can't wait to hear the odds. But uh, so I'm looking to the Oregon State 
uh, San Jose State game. Obviously, it's San Jose State's second game, but I'm taking the Oregon State team total under 36 and a half. Um, Oregon State is not going to change its stripes just because DJ Uyungle is there. Uh, this is a team, you already mentioned it earlier, that they rely on Damian Martinez in the run game behind a really good offensive line. And that's effective. That's an effective strategy. But that also limits their explosive play rate. They averaged only about two explosive plays, plays above 20 plus yards per game last year. And I don't see how you're going to get more than five touchdowns in a game where you're going to try and ground and pound. I don't see them getting above 36 and a half points in this game. You had San Jose state, San Jose state, Obviously, they gave up 56 to USC. Oregon State's not USC. DJU's not moving the needle. I can actually see DJU being detrimental if they do try to air it out because I don't think he's an accurate passer. I think that's cre- uh, creating the potential for turnovers, which is going to limit possessions for Oregon State, which, is, like I said, is a team that's going to play slow, going to play you know, in the trenches. And I just think this is a really high total against the San Jose State, State team that – you know, they may not put up a big total of their own, but I just don't see Oregon State lighting up the scoreboard in this one. It's time. Time to really, like, be oppo here. We, we've agreed a little too much. It's time to, to really get into a little back and forth here. So I didn't go, like, completely opposite your pick, but I took the game over, 54 mm-hmm. and a half. I, I took – so I guess we both could hit – but it seems like we're we're looking at this game yeah. through a different lens. So uh, here's the case for the over. And if you are watching, chime in. We'll see uh, who could win the debate. So I'm going to take over 54 and a half. And I was concerned about San Jose State's defense going into the year. It was a pro in Fiaco on the defensive line and Kate Hall, two of their best pass rushers. So the defense is going to take a big step back. And we saw that they allowed 56 to USC. I'm that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Everyone's going to love points to USC, but still love 56 points. That's a lot. <laughs> um, but I was pretty bullish on this over uh, on the offense because San Jose state returned all five starters from last year, two of which were true freshmen last year. And I like Siobhan Cordero, the dual threat quarterback. He made it a lot, a lot of plays in this game. I was uh, in the game against USC that is. And that's also without their starting wide number one receiver Lockhart, who I mentioned in last week's show when we were talking that USC game, I was like, I don't really know how to assess this one. I, I don't know. The offense looked fine without him. Unclear if he's going to play in this one, but either way, USC blitzed a ton in that game, and Cordero was able to uh, evade, have time in the pocket, was able to make plays himself. Oregon State's defense, more of a bend-don't-break. They only had 16 sacks last year, not a heavy pass rush. So if Cordero's going to have time. I think they're going to be able to move the ball pretty well. They also lose two now pro quarterbacks in Wright and uh, Alex Austin. So I think Oregon State's defense is going to take a step back after what was really like a lockdown unit. I mean, they allowed touchdowns on 50% of red zone drives, top 20 in the country on that only. So every other time their team was getting to the red zone, no touchdown. I just, those things are fickle and those tend to uh, even out over time. So I think San Jose State, is going to be able to score a little bit in this one. Again, like mid to high 20s like they did against USC. Oregon State maybe is more of the concern because they play slow. They like to run the ball. I agree with you 100%. I just think after last year, they averaged six yards a pop. They return a handful of offensive linemen and Damian Martinez. And DJU could, you know, he's a veteran, can move a little bit. I think Oregon State's going to be able to score at will in this one and rip off those chunk plays that maybe isn't what was the team last year. So I'm going to go over this one. 
I predict a score line where like Oregon State's touching 40 and San Jose State's touching mid to high 20, something like 42, 28, rather than, you know, low 30s for Oregon State, teens for San Jose State. I think both offense can maybe outperform their expectation here. So over our first real mono mono here this weekend. It would be great, though, if we both got it home. Like San Jose State wins, uh, what, like 30, 38 to 20, and we both win. Which won't oh, happen, yeah. We'll see. Oh, definitely not happening. But it's it's nice to think about. You know, it's not <laughs> two wins would be nice, but uh, one of us is definitely. I mean, the worst thing that could happen would be you know like thirty five to fourteen or yeah. sorry thirty seven <laughs> to fourteen where we both lose. So uh, let's not do that. That would be that's not. I'll, I'll find. I'll, I'll let you win rather than we both lose if it if it comes down to it. <laughs> I'll return the favor. I just someone's got to win in this one. We can't have a fight where we both get knocked out. <laughs> But yeah, I just think I, I think I'm a little bit more bullish on the San Jose State offense. Cody, any other rebuttal you want from my handicap of this game? No, I 100% agree. And I think that my actually my biggest concern is the San Jose State offense and the fact that they might just simply be able to rip off explosive plays against this Oregon State defense and thus like create more possessions for Oregon State too. Because I do I don't think Oregon State's going to have trouble moving the ball. I just think it's going to be more methodical than explosive. But if you create more possessions for them to move the ball methodically, that puts my under in trouble. So, like, I I understand where your pick is coming from. I am just – I'm banking on the more talented and better offense controlling the game, which I think plays more towards a lower total. Yeah, totally. We'll, we'll still be friends on the other side. Like, it's not it's not that deep. Oh, yeah. We, we, can, we can make it happen. I'm sure this is the first of many that we're going to have uh, going mono and mono. I'm interested to see how this one goes. But now – this one definitely – I mean, listen, we're both two and five. This is like a – this is a full – we're looking at probably a full one-game swing here between uh, – Oh, yeah. So this is <laughs> this is an early bragging rights type of game here. So uh, definitely eyeballs will be on uh, San Jose State or you can State on Sunday evening. I imagine that's on like uh, – is it on Pac-12 Network? Maybe FS1. Um, but anyway, so the underdog Moneyline Parlay, didn't forget about that. At Caesars, plus 790 – on the underdog money line parlay already in the account. We are rolling here. We'll maybe make like a little side. Uh, like when we do our underdog money lines, we'll talk about that and we'll, we'll parlay them and hopefully we'll get a week one uh, winner there. So there's our, again, that's South Alabama on Saturday night and Northwestern on Sunday afternoon. All right, let's keep it moving here. Let's talk. Definitely nothing like the Northwestern game. Uh, no. Marquee matchup time, LSU, Florida state, biggest game on the board, two top 10 teams, uh, you're talking Jaden Daniels, number two choice for the Heisman. Jordan Travis right behind them, both inside 20 to one to win the Heisman. Chasing Caleb Williams. Cody, I think you have a stronger stance on this one. So I'll let you go free here. What, what do you got for us? LSU, Florida State. So if we weren't highlighting this as the marquee matchup, uh, this would have been my upset pick. Uh, I have Florida State plus two and a half. I'm fully confident taking the money line as well. Um Honestly, when I look at these two teams, I see two teams that are very similar in terms of how they're approaching the season. ton of returning production, a ton of future pros on both sides of the balls. And you have two quarterbacks who have made like extremely strong progressions over their careers. Like Jaden Daniels started out hot at Arizona State and then just hit a complete plateau and honestly, maybe even a little dip. Then he got to LSU and Brian Kelly. And we saw throughout last year where – 
he progressed as a decision maker. I'm still not fully convinced on him as a decision maker, but I think he improved dramatically. And we saw the same from Jordan Travis over his career. You know, he was just, he was basically tuck it and run as soon as he got the snap early in his career. And now he's developed into a much more sure passer. But when I look at the two teams, the two things that stand out to me is first off, LSU is coming into this game and the their front seven is elite. Like they have one of the best front sevens in the country. And they have a ton of talent in the secondary, but a lot of it is newcomers and transfer portal guys. And when you're matching up against this loaded weapon group for Florida State that includes Jaheim Bell, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, 6'7 Nightmare, and you have newcomers who are gelling in a new system, I worry about that with an experienced Florida State quarterback who can take advantage of those matchup matchup, uh, advantages. And then on top of that, like I said, I just trust Jordan Travis to make better decisions than I do Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels, to me, when we saw him in big games last year, there were one or two times where he would always just – you would hold your head and be like, what are you doing, man? Like, why are you doing this? And, like, I don't think that's gone away. I think that's just kind of who he is as a player. And you take the good with the bad. Like, there's way more good than bad. But I think in this type of game, that little bit of bad can be the difference. And so, if Florida State's underdog, I think they're the better team. So, I'm taking them – uh, on, against the spread, but also, you know, I like the money line as well. And all excellent points. I, I think we see this game similarly. I kind of, oh, my gut just tells me LSU is going to get them this year, but I, I don't, I don't have a strong opinion on the side. I just kind of, it's just like a gut thing. But I do like the over in this game. Uh, there was concern of weather in like the this game is in Orlando. It's on a neutral field, t- technically, probably like more of a FSU thing, but LSU is going to travel for this one. But there was concerns of weather in the area. I'm, I'm not a weatherman, but I looked it up and uh, the weather is probably going to be passed by this point. Mm-hmm. Should, like there's no rain in the forecast for Sunday evening. So I don't think that's going to play a role. I lean towards the over because I honestly, I think both teams are going to be able to run the ball pretty efficiently. Mm-hmm. You look at Florida State, first of all, Florida State's going to run the ball pretty well anyway against this LSU front because they have the likes of Trey Benson in the backfield and a loaded offensive line. And LSU's defensive line got pushed around below the national average in line yards. And again, that's going to set up, like you mentioned, that FSU passing attack. There's an LSU defense outside the top 100 in explosive pass rate. So I think Florida State's offense is going to move. On the other side of the ball, LSU's offensive line simply has to be better. So the team bottom 10 in sacks allowed last year. Jaden Daniels ended up getting hot towards the end of the year. Some questionable decision-making, but he was also running for his life a ton. He finished the <laughs> yes. year as a team's leading rusher. Um, I think year two with Brian Kelly, the offensive line is just going to naturally take a jump. It won't be that poor again. Um, a lot of returning production here. Again, this is a team top 10 in offensive returning production per ESPN. FSU's front seven a little weak. I know they have the guys like Jared Verse, but they were 100th in success rate last year against the run. And you look at who LSU's got toting the rock in the backfield. You know, Noah Kane, Williams, Notre Dame transfer Logan Diggs. So I, I think LSU's going to run well to set up the passing game and take some pressure off of Jaden Daniels. So I like both offenses to have control in this one. And really, you know, those are going to be the ones going back and forth. Just a really quick reminder to last year, this game, First of all, crazy game. Set the tone for a crazy college football season. Yes. Uh, LSU, again, this is Brian Kelly's first game. LSU missed an extra point in the final seconds. That would have sent it to overtime, 24-23 final Florida State. The first half was very slow in that game. Again, transfer quarterback, Jaden Daniels, first-year head coach, Brian Kelly. A lot of changes there 
It was 7-3 at half. So LSU's offense really settled in in the second half and got it going. I just think maybe this game, the teams are more comfortable this time around with all that returning production. So I just think this game lends itself more to an over rather than an under and a slugfest. That, like, that score line may be indicated, but I think that second half especially, it looked more like a game where – you know, 24, 23, maybe looks more something like 31, 30, you know, based yeah, on I mean, the first half. You get anything close to what we saw in the second half in the first half as well. And this over hits pretty easily. Like I think last year's game is definitely baked into this total. And so I definitely like the overplay. I'm with you. I, my biggest concern with Florida state is that front seven outside of Jared verse. Like, I, and I think Jared verse could play a factor if the LSU offensive line isn't immediately as good as we think it should be or could be under second in the second year of Brian Kelly, because verse can get into the backfield with the best of them. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like I do think they're going to be able to run the ball, both teams. And I think, like you said, both are going to be able to run to set up the pass. So I think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. And like I said, I think actually more or less what your reasoning for taking the over plays into why I've, like the Florida State side in this is because at the end of the day, I trust Jordan Travis more to make those plays in the big moments than I do Jaden Daniels. And so if both teams are scoring, I think it could come down to one mistake or one big play. And I trust Jordan Travis to not make the mistake or make a big play than I do Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Game's going to be a banger though. Game's gonna be oh, so I can't sad. wait. Oh my God. Hey, let's talk about something near and dear to our heart though. Cause these are like the real games that are going to get us going. Uh, it's our sicko segment. We're going to close mm-hmm. up the show here. Um, two games on the board here that we have our eye on, uh, pretty, I, I think you, you're pretty sick. I think I could get sicker, but you, you go first, you lead the way here on our sickos pick of the week. Oh, you're definitely about to get sicker, but I, you know, I just wanted to start off with a light cough. Uh, I have a <laughs> Liberty minus nine and a half against Bowling Green at home. Um, you know, it's not too often that you're going to see a program who isn't a power five team go from Hugh Freeze to uh, Jamie Chadwell in terms of like the coaching ranks and where you would rank those two coaches in the national scope. But, uh, you know, money speaks loud and Liberty has plenty of money. So they're going there. You have Jamie Chadwell, who I don't think is too much of a drop off from Hugh Freeze, which is wild to say. Um I am not particularly high on Liberty after we saw from them at the end of last season. Uh, I believe they were sitting at like eight and one, and then they just fell off a cliff um, at the end of last season. And the big concern for me is uh, Jonathan Bennett is likely going to be the starter at quarterback, but he wasn't particularly good when we saw him last year. But I do think the one thing that works in his favor with Chadwell taking over is he has mobility. And we saw with his with Chadwell's sort of hybrid option approach at Coastal Carolina for his offense that if you have a mobile quarterback, he can make things happen. I think the running back stable of Quentin Cooley and Vaughn Blue is going to be a little bit of a breakout tandem this year for Liberty. And then you look at Bowling Green. Bowling Green ranked outside of the top 100 in total and scoring defense last year. So they just couldn't stop anyone. And the one thing they did well was generate pressure, but they lost their best pass rush pass rusher in Carl Brooks. So I'm really worried that this Bowling Green defense that was bad last year might actually be worse. Um, and so when you have the inability to get pressure against a very you know unique offense that Chadwell runs, I think you know just asking Liberty to win by two scores is a pretty easy thing to come by, especially with the hype that's going to be around Chadwell in his first game for the Flames. Yeah, don't hate it at all, especially Bowling Green, probably in for a down year. My mm-hmm. pick, 
And it nearly made the underdog section of uh, the show. I, I, I thought for week one, we'll go like moderate. We won't go nuts. But, uh, <laughs> it's like a 10 to one underdog. But I like Sam Houston State against BYU in their FBS debut. Um, we don't know much about Sam Houston State. Two years ago or during the COVID year, they won the like spring FCS national championship. And then last year, they redshirted pretty much all their key contributors last year. It was a total punt year uh, for them. Again, knowing that the FBS jump was coming, they wanted all the veterans that won a national championship, wanted to maintain their eligibility. Uh, so they did that. So Sam Houston State basically punted last year. They're going to come in super refreshed. A lot of continuity here. They play a BYU team that has a new defensive coordinator in Jay Hill after the defense fell off a cliff. Going to take some time, a complete scheme change. Uh, Jay Hill comes from Weber's, Weber State, plays man coverage, press coverage, maybe lots of a few deep shots here. And anytime I get a chance to fade BYU starting quarterback, Keaton Slovis, I'm always interested. So uh, he's on his third school in as many years. I think that he's not very good. This is Sam Houston State defense, one of the you know the best in the FCS ranks anyway last year. This is an established system, allowed less than 20 points per game last year. It was the offense that really fell off a cliff. I just think, first of all, the total sitting now at 47. So we're talking about like earlier, like those underdogs, low totals, taking them um, or you know, being the side. I just think give me, you know, 20 with Sam Houston State, just to stay involved with a sharp defense against a new look offense. And I think being a little frisky in this game, even I'm not saying, you know, go run and take this money line, but I would not be shocked at all. If this is like that one big underdog that comes in and cashes against BYU. I, I don't rate BYU very highly whatsoever heading into the season. I'm on their win total under at five and a half. I think it's gonna be a big struggle for them and Sam Houston state. I think it's kind of a guessing game at what we're going to see with them. So, you know what? Total 47, catching 20 points? Sure, sign me up. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? They lose like Navy did last week? Oh, what? So what? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like Sam Houston here. You're taking that big of a spread. Like, sometimes you're going to lose with a blowout. Like, it happens. But I don't think – I think everything – I mean, I'm on Sam Houston State's over. So, I'm obviously a season-long over. So, like, I'm obviously very in on the Bearcats with a K. Um, <laughs> another thing, like, you talked about their defense that was still solid last year. The guys that they redshirted on offense, they were third in FCS in scoring offense in 2021. So, like, these guys know how to score. And I, there's no reason, there's no evidence that you can find that you should trust Keaton Slovis. And then, you, like you said, BYU has a new defensive coordinator. And I think going against the same Houston State offense that, frankly, they might be watching the wrong film on, if we're being honest about it. Like, I'm not saying BYU coaches are dumb, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's been two years since we've seen the film of what this offense is probably going to look more close to. I think they – it's a big dog. I probably wouldn't bet the money line, but I think it's – I think plus 20 is too big of a number, especially where, you, like you said, with the total, where it's at. Just for reference last year, BYU's defense. Again, new defense coordinator, totally understand, but changing schemes. Uh, they were 121st in success rate and 113th in EPA per play. So that's going to do our show. Ton in there. Cody, if you don't mind, just recap those bets for us. Just so, just so in case people got in late, let's, let's give a full slate here. Let's make sure everyone knows exactly what we're betting. And we're getting over 500 this week and setting the tone for a big year. I think uh, other than the Oregon State game, we might be sweeping this week. Uh, that's <laughs> where I'm feeling. Um, so uh, for Thursday, Friday game, I have the Florida-Utah under 44 and a half. 
for a ranked team game, I have Tennessee first half minus 14 and a half versus Virginia. Uh, upset alert going South Alabama over Tulane. That's plus 205 on the money line. They're plus six and a half against the spread. Uh, like the Oregon State team total under 36 and a half against San Jose State. Uh, I like Florida State in every capacity, but mostly plus two and a half against LSU. And then I like Liberty minus nine and a half against Bowling Green. There it is. And then for mine, I took NC State minus 14 on Thursday night. Uh, in the ranked team game, I took the Washington team total over 37 and a half. Upset Northwestern, they're six and a half point underdog. I took them plus 198. You could get that at plus 790. Northwestern, South Alabama parlayed money line underdog. Plus 790, so uh, we'll, maybe we'll start tracking that for uh, fun. Uh, and then on Sunday, I'm taking the over 54.5 in San Jose State, Oregon State. And on Sunday night, LSU, Florida State, over 55.5. And, and then our sicko pick, I'm taking Sam Houston State, plus 20 mm. against BYU. Maybe they'll just win the game out, right? Want Love to, to see that. Want to shout the comments real quick. Uh, Loretta Baxter, if you're still here, I'm not sure necessarily what you're talking about, about the commanders. Uh, but she says that they have a top five defense and a mediocre offense, but defense trophy emoji probably means defense wins championships. Uh, she said we sound like haters. Not sure, again, the commander's talk, but uh, shout out Loretta Baxter. And then Adam Hurley chimed in as well. Uh, he said Colorado is going to be a top 10 team before the season ends. Why is everybody underrating Shadur Sanders? He was recruited by Alabama and LSU. Well, we'll see. Uh, we didn't talk about Colorado on the show, but I'm sure – as the season goes on, uh, the Deion Sanders experiment, we are going to be locked in there. Want to make sure before we get out of here, you guys, in case you missed it, hear about this Caesars promo that we are running here. If you use the code when you sign up, FSBETS10GET, you bet $50, you get $250 in bonus bets. You get one bet once a week for the first five weeks of the NFL season. So again, use the code FSBETS10GET. Bet 50, get $250 in bonus bets. Again, the code FSBETS10GET. Until next Wednesday, though, Cody, let's get over 500 here. Let's have a big week. Everybody enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week. This is Stack in the Box College Football Edition. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. 
Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.